And I hope uh, just from my side of things, just looking at the Sunday school sermon that we had preached, that God has a message for us to deliver about sin and about judgment and about forgiveness and about righteousness. But the thing that sticks out for me so much in that passage is it's God says that it doesn't please him at all to judge the wicked. God is not in heaven waiting for sinners to reject him so he can, (laughs) oh boy, you got coming. Yes, he will judge sin because he's a holy God and his holiness demands it. But he's not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. And it talks about, that's a passage if you read from um, the Lord's Supper, where Jesus says, freely I'm giving to you, you go ahead and freely give to others. Uh, an amazing thought that we have something, a pastor friend of mine had said it this way, if you knew a neighbor around here, one of the neighbors in Keene, who would give away a million dollars if all you had to do, went and knocked on his door, right? If all you had to do was go knock on the guy's door and say, I hear you're giving away a million dollars. Can I have a million dollars? And he would hand you a million dollars. That's all it took. How many of your family members would you send to that person's door? Right? How many friends? Dude, all you got to do is go just knock on his door and ask him and he'll give you a million bucks. Okay, every one of us would be out there going, listen, you need to, I want to cut. Right? But we'd be sending everybody we know, wouldn't we? Okay, but we've forgotten how precious sometimes this message is that it's free. We didn't have to do anything. All we had to do was just go ask. Okay, and what a glory that is. All right, thank you. So Malachi chapter 3. That has nothing to do with the sermon this morning. That's the truth. Yeah, I can see it now. Well, I don't want to tell them. They don't deserve a million dollars. <laughs> Malachi chapter 3. We spoke this last week and warned you guys ahead of time, so those of you who are here are gluttons for punishment, um, that we will be talking about tithing this morning. And uh, I gave you fair warning last week because there are so many people who uh, have a complaint that, hey, you go to church and all I ever do is talk about giving and putting money in the offering plate. Well, if you spend any time here at our church, we don't spend a lot of time talking about that. But when it does come up in the Bible, we're not going to avoid the verses either. Okay, this is one of the reasons that Dan and I in Sunday school uh, choose to preach verse by verse through the books because there are passages of Scripture we don't want to avoid. I mean, it's nice to pick out passages about love and joy and mercy and, and uh, you know, positive thinking and all the stuff that a lot of sermons uh, lead toward. But you leave a lot of other passages out that need to be preached. Okay, and so this morning we're going to be preaching about tithing. Now, before you grab a, a hold of your wallet with a clamp like nobody's ever seen, relax. Okay, <laughs> we're not uh, coming after your money, um, but we do need to have understanding about how God feels about this. Okay, and um, with that in mind, I put up the title here, and it gives us a clue on how God feels about it. And I know my wife just sat down back there, so we're wanting to make sure. There's the title of today's sermon, Robbing Yourself. As a matter of fact, i got to correct that on the sermon notes back there because I didn't put that. Robbing Yourself. 
All right, so I want us to understand that is how God handles this. That is how God looks to this. All right, so I'm going to uh, march through this carefully, but please remember, I'll make mention of this in a minute, again, in the notes. God doesn't need anything that we have, does he? He owns everything. We're not giving God an extra boost in his uh, pocketbook if we give to him. He owns it all. So us and our giving has nothing to do with God's need. So when we're robbing anyone, we're actually robbing our own selves. Let's read the passage together and then we'll have a word of prayer. Look at verse 8, if you would. But ye are departed out of the... That's chapter 2. I've got to read chapter 3. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are accursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now, herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven, and pour out a blessing that ye shall not be, not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vines cast her fruit before a time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. All nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a, delight, some, a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, we're going to talk about something that's very sensitive. Matter of fact, you, you declare it quite often. The love of money is the root of all evil. That People are really concerned about this. And when we start poking at this issue, people kind of get agitated or get confused or get set back. Father, please be with my mind, be with your word. Help us as we share this concept together that you don't need our funds. You can provide whatever, whenever. But Father, we need to give. It is so important to our own personal walk and our relationship with you. So Father, please uh, be with us as we study this together. Help us to be guided through your word. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher, not me. Lay upon each person's heart what they need to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. So, God brings another accusation, another point against the children of Israel at this time period. So we'll see you next slide that we've been looking at this. God saying, listen, you guys have been at it for a while. And you remember their response was, what a weariness. This is just so tiring. I can't stand doing this every single day you promised us a messiah you promised us a kingdom you promised us all this eternal life we haven't seen it happen yet okay and they just were getting bored with doing their religious stuff okay and god in that says listen you guys you gotten so bad at it that i got some things i got to pick apart and this is one of them this is basically a pretty hefty accusation the phrase if you're going to break this down robbing god means to take by force in a little while we'll read a verse we're talking about mistreating the poor in taking from them Um, 
This is robbery. This is armed robbery. All right. This isn't just like, eh, you know what? I'm going to keep my money this week. God's saying, you are definitely stealing something that belongs to me. Okay? So, stick with me. Hold on to your wallet. All right. Okay, he declares the people were taking things that were rightfully his. However, the ones who were missing out are those who were actually stealing from God. And then the title is, We Are Robbing Our Own Selves. Okay, God does not need our tithes and offerings. Okay, a couple of verses to remind us of that. Deuteronomy, behold, the heavens and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's, thy God, and the earth also, and all that therein is. And for those of us who are on Wednesday night studying through Job, we are reminded about the three heavens here. Okay, that there is a heaven in, that is the earth's atmosphere, that there is a heaven that is outer space, and then there is a heaven of heavens where God dwells. So all of them are listed here. The heaven of heaven, the heavens, and the earth. Okay, and this atmosphere. So God, again, confirms himself. But he wants you to understand, not only is his eternal abode in heaven, the outer space heaven, and all that is in this earth, it all belongs to God. So my measly little dollar bills and whatever offering I can put in the plate really doesn't matter a whole lot to God when the, in the big picture. You with me so far? Next verse talks about here in Psalms. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Everything belongs to God. So if God has everything, why does he need an offering? Good question, right? Well, he doesn't need to give. He doesn't need us to give. We need us to give. Okay? Now keep going. God owns it all. So giving to God is a benefit for the giver. Not for God. You ever uh, have your little ones at Christmas time? Two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, two-year-old maybe not so much, without mom and dad help, give you a Christmas present? Daddy, I found this rock. I wanted to give it you for Christmas. And you take that rock, my, uh, <laughs> I, okay, I'm going to embarrass my wife a little probably, but our children in art class and stuff made some of the most deformed looking, funny little uh, pottery things at school, you know, an ashtray or some sort of Christmas tree thing, and they're all kind of half cocked to one side and floppy, and the paint job is, is and in our bedroom they are displayed. They are the terrible, ugliest thing you'd ever seen in the world. And they really are worth diddly when it comes to financial. But they're special because they offered them to us. This is for you. The offering really means not a whole lot when it comes to value in concrete. What it means to you is it was an offering of love and it was something special that was made and delivered directly to mom and dad. We didn't need that. I wasn't going, man, I can't wait to get an ashtray that's tipped to the side and painted green and purple and orange and everything, and I don't even smoke! That was a special offering to mom or dad, and that's what makes it precious. I didn't need it. It was given out of love, so it was special. It was given because mom and dad mean so much. 
And it was an honor and a privilege for them to make it for mom and dad. Now, if we can understand that concept alone, we can get a good grip on what God feels. He doesn't need anything we can give him. But everything we do give him is precious to him. Because it's out of love, I hope. Now, there are some churches and some Christian you know, sectors that preach, you must give to get God's approval to buy your relatives out of hell or purgatory, to win your way into heaven. You must give. Not what the Bible says. That's a good way to fill the coffers of the church with money. God doesn't need any of our money. God needs our heart. He wants precious gifts from his children. All right? Giving, not giving, hinders the blessings of God toward his people. Now, you and I read this together. He says, listen, see if I don't open the windows of heaven and give you so much that you couldn't even hold on to it if you wanted to. But, notice the other verse, and we'll be there back there in a minute. He says, but you're cursed with a curse if you don't. One of the hardest things for me with the babies is the children. They grew up and, and all of a sudden dad becomes a real human being. But when the, first, the kids are first born, there's only one person in the whole world that makes any difference to those kids. Mommy. Okay, Mommy does the feeding. Mommy is the one whose heartbeat they recognize. It's mommy, mommy, mommy. Dad, you're just a conveyance to get to, from wherever I am to mom. Okay, You're the taxi. And for a while there, you could ask my wife, it was a bummer, you know, and I didn't have any problem changing diapers. I did all that kind of stuff. But even with all that care you put onto your kids, they want mom. And you begin to feel slighted. What am I, chopped liver? You know, part of this whole deal is dad too, you know. I'm part of your parent group. For the, for the longest time, it was you felt kind of slighted because they paid no attention to you whatsoever. And then after a little while... They begin to realize, oh, dad's part of this too. But I had I gotta be honest with you, I they were all three children. I'm like, the only one who's any worth anything around here is mom. You're holding that kid, burping him, trying to get him to stop crying, nothing's happening, hand it to mom, the kid goes. <laughs> nice smile on their face. There and wonder how it feels to God when we have so many other things that we pay attention to in this world that we're willing to put time and effort into. And we don't give any credit or any attention back to him. He, he's the one who chose to call himself our Heavenly Father. He gave us this imagery for a purpose. I heard an interesting thing. I, I'm getting old. So I was watching Family Feud. Because you know old people watch game shows. Wheel of Fortune! Okay, and one of the questions is, name somebody you don't get compliments from. And the number one answer was your spouse, of course, which is a problem in the world. But another one was mom or a dad. Because you know what? Sometimes a relationship becomes cold, becomes old. Because you're always seeing mom. You know, that my wife and I had the little thing on a little, po a little lady, kind of carved out of wood with crazy, you know, uh, hay hair and stuff. And it said... Uh, mirror, mirror on the wall, I've become my mother after all. Because for the longest time, you know, oh, that's mom, I'm not doing stuff like that. 
And then before you know it, you're doing exactly that kind of stuff. When we're younger, we don't pay much attention to mom or dad. You know? I think sometimes that's how it gets with God. But anyway, let's keep going. The background. Now, I want to, again, just to set the tone here, the background of tithing in God's Word, when He talks about tithes and offerings, background is tithe is 10%. I'm not going to pull any punches on that. That is God's standard that He has set, 10%. Now, before you get crazy, that is a standard that God has set. Hold on to that thought. Okay? God doesn't say 5% or 20% or 60%. There's only 1% mark. It is a sliding scale. He says, give as God has prospered you. If you get a lot, you give a lot. If you get a little, you give a little. Okay? 10% is God's standard when it comes to the tithe. You with me? Now, don't just take a deep breath and go, okay? It is God's standard. It began long before the Old Testament law was set up. There are Christians today who say, well, we don't have to worry about the tithe because that's Old Testament law. Well, Abram, before he became Abraham, gave tithes to God. And Abraham is long before Moses when the law was written. So God established the tithe very, very early in his people. Before Abraham, Abram became Abraham, when God called him from the Ur of the Chaldees, one of the first things that happened is God delivered the armies to Abram and his people and because of that, Abram tithed. So automatically, when God called out a special group of people, one of the first things that happened is they tithe. So tithe has been around for a long time. I tell you that and set that tone because there are people who say New Testament doesn't have to worry about tithe anymore. Okay, They're right, but I want you to understand that doesn't take away the idea that God didn't set a standard. You with me so far? So if you're like, what, I wonder what I should consider giving. Well, God gives a percentage number in the Bible. Okay? Now, does that mean you and I have to give it? No! And there's the point. Remember I talked last week and said we have to understand biblical context before we preach today's sermon? That there are certain things in the Old Testament that don't necessarily apply in the New Testament? Okay, this is one of those. As a matter of fact, you want to hear a really neat thing about the New Testament? In the New Testament, the word tithe is mentioned in the Gospels and mentioned in Hebrews. Nowhere else. You don't find it in one of the church epistles. You don't find it in Paul's instruction to young Timothy or Titus. You don't find it in Revelation. You don't find it in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Peter's. You don't find it anywhere. It's mentioned when Jesus is speaking before his death, burial, and resurrection. And it's mentioned as an explanation in the book of Hebrews. Who is that written to? Hebrews. Now that's why I said it's important we understand this. We're talking about a 10% offering that God had established, but it is directly tied to Old Testament. But if you are asking me, well, I wonder what God thinks you know, people should consider giving. God sets a pretty good tone. He says 10% is a good place to start. You with me so far? The difference is, tithes were required by the law as a matter of fact in the old testament and i'm glad i don't have to do this anymore uh, if this was the tab temple or the tabernacle and we were the children of israel and i was one of his priests i would come to your house and i would take the tithe 
Now get this, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, there used to be, what was the, the person in town called back in the 17 and 1800s? Uh, like the tax taker or something. What's that? Tithe keeper or something. He would come to your home back in, yeah, the tithe, he would come to your home, evaluate what you have and tell you what your tithe would be. And he would take your tithe. Now get that. That's a little different than what we do. I, I don't know any of the numbers of what you guys give. I don't count. I don't care. That's between you and God. But imagine if the priest showed up at your home, looked around and says, oh, you've got a hundred sheep and you've got all this and everything. Here's what your tithe is going to be. Fork it over. And then go back to the temple with your tithe. Okay, that's why in the Old Testament you see many times it says, and they came and took the tithe. They take the tithe. Okay, it wasn't a free will offering. You had to give it. Okay, now we'll break it down in a minute on why, but in the Old Testament, we don't live in the Old Testament anymore. In the New Testament, we live under grace. You know what grace is? Grace is we give how we're led to give. Meaning if God asks you to give something, give it. If God doesn't tell you to give something, don't give it. That's great. I don't have to come and say, all right, Jim, I know what your social security is, I know what this is, I know what your rent is, I know what you say. Here's what you must give. And I will be checking on Sunday morning your envelope to make sure. Okay? You need so many eggs and so many, okay. I had to put eggs in there. What are you kidding me? Okay? Thank the Lord in the New Testament, we don't have to do that anymore. Because we are not under the law. We don't have to give 10%. We give as God has led our hearts, which I'm thankful for. So you understand, difference between Old Testament and New Testament. I am so thankful I don't have to keep track. You know how awkward that would be for me? All right, guys, uh, it's that time of year again. Heard you got a raise. Let's sit down. It's time to uh, look at the books. We give as God has prospered us, as God blesses us. We honor God. Now, please, I know we're talking about money and stuff for a second, but still keep remembering that little decrepit ashtray that we offer to our God. Hey, I'm not in second grade anymore. My ashtray looks a little bit better. I'm in fifth grade, but here's an ashtray. It's still God. Don't need it. We give it to God out of love. Okay, the nice thing, that's how it is in the New Testament. The Old Testament, you had to give. Okay, and you see why. God says, you're cursed if you don't. Thank the Lord, we don't have that anymore, do we? That's an amazing thought. Now keep this in mind. Keep going. It's an act of free, oops, sorry, act of free will. The principle still exists. Honor God and he'll bless you. If you don't honor God, maybe not. We'll look to a verse. Luke, no, Genesis. And he blessed him saying blessed is abraham of the most high god the possessor of heaven and earth so there again god and owns it all the uh, blessed be the most high god which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand and he gave them tithes of all so this is abraham uh, abram abraham before his name was changed okay who tithed keep going this is serious business proverbs and the Blessed be the Most High, same kind of idea, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand, 
And he gave him tithes of all, for the Lord will plead their cause and spoil the souls of them that spoil them. God again saying the same thing. He gave tithes because God blessed them. Okay, this is before the law. This was before you had to give it. God gave them a blessing, and Abram said, well, God gave me a blessing. I'm going to give him back part of it, that 10%. Keep going. Nehemiah. And I perceived that the portion of the Levites had not been given them. For Levites and, and singers that did the work were fled every one into his field. Then contended I with the rulers and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place, then brought all of Judah the tithes of the corn and the new wine and the oil into, unto the treasury. God says, you know what? I designed a system. If you give, then God's tabernacle, God's temple, God's church has the things that are necessary for it to survive. If you don't, we've got a problem. Okay, and notice what it says here. It said, the pastors, the, the, the priests, those who were working in the God's ministry had to actually go out and start working in the field because you guys weren't tithing the way you should. Old Testament, hang with me, okay? But God is setting this principle here. God designed a system that you bring in tithes and God will take care of things. Now here in our church, just as a, a kind of a reminder, all of you can look up and see that there are lights on. Okay, all of you, thank the Lord, it's warm in here this morning. Okay, I know a couple of you are still snuggled up with your coats, but I'm sweating. Okay, we have oil in the oil tank. Those things cost a bit of money. Okay, and God designed a system for that. Okay, now again, I'm not telling you to hold on to your wallet, easy, but I want you to understand that God designed a system so that his ministry gets taken care of. You with me? All right. That's how God put it together. And we help God, we honor God when we give to God so that his ministry and his system continues the way it wants to be. God is the, look at that, God is the system. Okay, for the temple, for the church, functioning ministry. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. There, there may be meat in mine house. God says, listen, bring it that God's house will be ready to do the things that God's word requires of it. Okay, whether that's put, putting the lights on, whether that's meeting the needs, whether that's taking care of the pastors and the priests. Keep going on. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, God says you need to be giving. That hasn't changed. Okay, I'm going to look up a verse in a minute here in Luke where Jesus reminds us of this. You know the, the nice thing about this problem that they had? There's an easy fix. I wrote it right up there. Give. He says, you're not giving. I'm going to curse you. Okay, so what do I have to do, Lord, to get away from this curse? Give. Now, please, this is the Old Testament. We're going to hang in there to the New Testament because I told you, you and I don't have to give to be saved. We don't have to give to be a part of God's church. We don't have to give 10%. 
We give and God has led us to give, but we still need to give. So again, take your hand off your wallet now. <sighs> Pastor's after 10%. No, I'm not. Neither is God. But he does want you to be a giver. Okay, keep going. In Israel, there were actually three tithes taken. Aren't you glad you're not an Israelite? Now, this is something we don't talk about. This is why it says bring all the tithes, plural, into the storehouse. It's not just one tithe. There are three tithes. And if you can do math, 10% and three times that is 30%. So all of you who go, 10%, I don't know if I could do that. Ask God to give you 30% to give. Because that's what was required of the children of Israel. Now, history lesson. God, Israel is what we call a theocracy. We are a republic often missed qualified as a democracy right that is our government style their government was a theocracy theo meaning god they were god-led all right they didn't have a king god was the one who was leading them so with that in mind one tithe was for religion 10 percent went to the temple one tithe you see this right here the second line down the tithe, one of them, was for your taxes because they were a theocracy. So the government of Israel needed to run as well. Okay, There was things that needed to be taken care of socially, and that was 10%. Now, do that. For, just step back for just one second out of my message just for a minute and think of what it would be like to only have to give 10% in taxes. They tax everything, don't they? <laughs> That's how, didn't I write that up there? No, I made it in the next page. They tax everything. Go to the next slide for the one of it. Yeah, there we go. Things are a little different today, right? We're not required to give 10% to God. We get, have to give a lot more than 10% in taxes, don't we? Man, we pay, what, 27 as an average if you want to just run a, a quick... You know, well, how much is it going to cost me in taxes? Some people are more, some people are less. But your gasoline is taxed, your this is taxed. Don't we pay tons of taxes? Wouldn't it be nice to have 10% in taxes? Now, keep this in mind. God says, I'm going to need 10% to run the government. I'm going to need 10% to, to, for the, the church, the tabernacle. And I'm going to need 10% every three years to take care of the poor. Well, today it's the same thing. God doesn't require 10%. We still have to pay taxes that ain't going to the Lord anymore. And we still should be sensitive to the needs of those who are needy. This is the same concept, the same things. It's just it's different. We don't live in a government run by God anymore like Israel did. We live in a tax-hungry country that we live in now. You with me so far? I want us to understand, this is all the way the Old Testament works. You and I don't have to give 10% anymore to the church. we got to give a lot more than that in taxes. Uh, 87,000 new IRS agents are going to make sure of that. But you and I need to be ready to be sure that the poor needs are being met. Keep going. 
God's people give to the church too. Support the workings of the church, support the ministering of God's word, and support the needs of God's people or the needy who we may come in contact with. These are the reasons that money that you and I give. Now keep going. Oh, my wife walked away to get a tissue. Now remember I told you to let go of your wallet. Because one of the concepts and principles that comes from God's word when it comes to tithe, came to, when it came, comes to tithing, is you can cut tithe of your sheep and your goats, and you can tithe of your wares, you can tithe of your wheat, you can tithe of your coins. Um, it wasn't just monetarily. There were a lot of things you could tithe. Okay, and God expects that kind of giving from us today. And I just wrote this up because in Christianity, these are like the three things that they put it cutesy-tootsy, categorize it, right? Time, tithe, and talent. Okay? I could have written it out different ways, but this is the way we've decided to put it out there, is you can give of your finances, you can give of your time, and you can give of your talent. Now, just a question. Um, how many hours are in a week? I'm not even going to try to do the calculations in my brain right now. Yeah, 100, what was that? 160 something. So a tithe of that would be 16, almost 17 hours a week. Do any of us give 17 hours a week to the Lord? Of course I do. I give mine while I'm sleeping. Right? Well, if you just take maybe 12 hours a day that you're awake times seven, about our talents god's given us a lot of abilities how many of you and i use our abilities for the lord in the church we've kind of uh boiled this down to a very heartless and i mean that not in a cruel way but like we don't ponder it deeply sometimes it's really easy church to go well there's my salary times point one that's what i should give that's easy. Do we even have to put any thought into it? Well, you know, it's just right to 10%. God doesn't need 10%. God needs you. God needs all of you. If it's your funds, if it's your talent, some of you, um, there, I brag on Oscar again today. Oscar grew potatoes. Oh, you grew those, right? Those potatoes, or did you get those for the farm? He goes to this place and gets them. He decided to bring some potatoes with him today to give to God's people. That's a tithe. That's an offering. It didn't have to go in the offering plate to be put into the bank. That's an offering unto the Lord and to God's people. That's the kind of thing we're talking about. God is not necessarily looking for us to salary times 0.1 to give 10%. God wants our heart. He's interested in you and I being givers. And maybe you could be like the widow's mite, and it ain't much. But the Lord Jesus Christ for all eternity pointed that woman out and said, look how much she's giving. And it had nothing to do with an amount. It had to do with the fact that she was giving almost everything she possibly had. And for all eternity recorded in God's word, she is remembered for that. It wasn't about an amount, it was from here, 
Okay, keep going. Oh, well, no, I haven't finished this yet. Um, remember, we get, it's not based upon people. You know, I've been in churches before. Well, I just don't like some of the staff at that church, so I'm just not going to give. Listen, you give to God. It's silly, isn't it? Sometimes, you know, well, their personality, they just rub me the wrong way. So, yeah. No, you, when you give, you're giving to the Lord. It's not about personality things. It's not about programs. I've heard excuses. Well, you know what? I don't have any children at home anyway, anymore. So, you know, I'm not interested in giving to the teens or giving to the mission. You know, just listen, you're giving to the Lord. If you're giving for any other reason, you better check your giver. You give it because daddy deserves a gift of love. No matter what it is. Keep going. So our principle is having a giving heart. But this I say, 2 Corinthians, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. Doesn't that sound familiar? God in... Malachi said, listen, if you don't give, you're going to be cursed. But if you do give, he says, he that soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Every man as he purposed in his heart, notice, take a step back, every man, that 10%, that's what that says, Come on, does it say that? It says, as you purpose in your heart. You know, I've met Christians in their life that give 70% of their income to the Lord. Man, if they're blessed to be able to handle that and still live comfortably, more power to them. They just purposed in their heart. And that's why I said to you, you decide what God wants you to give and you give it. If you purpose in your heart, Lord, this is what you've laid on my heart, then do it. And so let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity. Oh, man, I can't believe i got to put more money in the offering plate. Why are you coming to God giving that way? I can't believe i got to give mom this thing I made at school. Well, you know what? Keep it then. Give, not grudgingly, and not of necessity. Hallelujah, we don't have to give to make sure we're going to heaven. We give as God's laid on our heart. And I think you guys know this. There are sometimes, um, we in America have gotten this idea sometimes that uh, our extra abundance is ours. Ooh, I got a bonus at work. Man, I can't wait to find out how I'm going to spend my bonus. But you know what? Sometimes you go, ooh, I got a bonus at work. Because maybe somebody I know needs a little extra help. Sometimes we need to have a heart of a giver. That God says, I shall supply all your need. And sometimes when we have more than we need, it's because somebody else has need that he's asking God's people to help out with. But we in America have got this idea, oh, if God gives us increase, that's mine. Matter of fact, God says, uh, give of the first fruits of your increase. If God gives you increase, it's maybe because somebody has a decrease and you're the one there to balance it out. Yes. Okay. Be a cheerful giver is what that verse says. 
whatever you're going to give to God, be happy about it. Yeah, now you know. Using this example of those things that are up in my wife's uh, side of the bed on the shelf, my kids can walk up and look at the things they made and just go, I can't believe I actually gave that to you. As adults, they look at it and go, that is the, the most ridiculous looking thing in the world. But you know what? When they were that age, they were so happy to give it. You know the old adage of, uh, the old joke about the most terrible ties that God, dads get for Father's Day? That kids give dad these most awful ties, you know, they light up or they play music or whatever. And dad is completely embarrassed to wear it, but he will wear it. And the kids go, I can't believe I gave you that tie. You know what? What made it special is because they loved the idea of giving that. They were a cheerful giver. Daddy, this is for you. God likes when we come to him and give him what we want to give him with a heart that's all, all in. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Doesn't matter what it was. Daddy, I got this special for you. Nate, keep going to the next one. Into the storehouse. Now this is an interesting thing that God talks about making sure God's house has the reserves. Okay, he says, bring it into the storehouse. Okay, the Apostle Paul says something very similar to that in 1 Corinthians. He says, on the first day of the week, every one of you lay up in store as God has prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. The Apostle Paul says, listen, I'm going to show up someday to grab some of the special offerings that we agreed to. And when you guys get together on the first day of the week, and again, guys, that's one of those reminders on why we meet on Sunday Okay, because the Apostle Paul says, listen, when you come together to take an offering on the first day of the week, wink, wink, okay, there are churches out there who say Saturday you should meet, or why, you know, what's so special about Sunday? Well, the first day of the week is the day that Jesus rose from the grave, but Paul says here the first day of the week is when you gathered your offerings up together. Okay, so that all of a sudden if I show up to get the missions offering to take back to Jerusalem, everybody's not running home going, oh my goodness, I forgot to bring the offering. It was brought to God's house and stored so that it can be distributed from the storehouse. Okay? And we read that verse earlier that it said in the treasuries. Okay? That God's house, that there's never a need, that we have a problem that God's house can't meet. All right? Setting aside purposefully. Now, notice I did make reference to this, as God has prospered you. Well, pastor, I'd love to give more, but this is all I can give. Well, then happily give it right you can you get this you're catching the smile in my you, you get it in me but it's not 10 percent. so we don't have to give 10 percent. well pastor it's actually 25 percent. great it's 25 percent. are you happy to give it to the lord yes i am fantastic well pastor god just moved me to a brand new position and i'm making three times as much as i was before well, good, maybe you should consider giving a little bit more because as God has prospered you. If God has prospered you more, then maybe you could give more. Well, Pastor, I lost my job and I can't give like I used to. As God has prospered you. If all of a sudden you're not working and you're not having funds come in, God understands that too. Isn't God awesome? I love the, the, the living in this time frame in God's plan. But I don't have to go, oh my goodness, 10%. Okay, here we go again. 
That when God gives us blessings and abundance and what God gives, we can just turn around and say, God, I love you so much. Here, I can give this back. And we can do it happily. Amen? All right. God offers a challenge. Now, this part I love, but I'm going to put a caveat at the end on it. Prove me now, herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open unto you the windows of heaven and pour out upon you a blessing that you shall not be room enough to receive it god says now here's the great thing guys if you give to me i'm going to give right back and a matter of fact you can't outgive me he says you you give your 10 percent. see what happens i'll give you so much that you wouldn't even be able to receive all of it now here's the caveat in these churches today they preach a prosperity gospel that if you give and serve the Lord like you're supposed to, your bank accounts will be completely full. And all your credit card debt will be canceled. And all of a sudden, you'll just find money laying on the side of the road. I'm, I'm serious. There are churches that actually preach this. That if you give to God, all of a sudden, God's going to give you so much abundance. Um, don't define what God qualifies as abundance. He's going to remind us of something here in the next verse. But be careful. Just because, God, you give 10%. Oh, good, God, I'm waiting for my million bucks now. You promised. No, God gives a challenge and just says, listen, you give, watch the abundance come in. But there's a difference. Okay, look at this next part. Chronicles. Azariah, the chief priest of the house of Zadok... Okay, actually, I could read the whole rest of it. Go home and read it if you want to. It's talking about the fact that they were wanting an offering from God's people. And they put out the idea that the, the tithes and offerings needed to come in. And God's people responded. And this is what happens. He says, since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have plenty. For the Lord hath blessed his people, and that which is left is a great store. They started tithing, and all of a sudden, the people had everything that they needed. Now, I know some of us, and this is an excuse, and my wife and I have, have toyed with this, too. Well, I can't afford to give. You don't know how much, you know, things are tight. You can afford to give. Just how much? Bless you. It's not necessarily 10%, but the question is, can you afford not to give? Because God says, if you give... I'm going to bless you. Now, how has that blessing come about? Next section. Jesus said the same thing. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men heap, uh, give unto your bosom. <laughs> That's the other passage. Um, but with the same measure ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. God says, you know what, if you give even though you can't, God says, I can give right back. Trust me. God shall supply all your need. Now here's the amazing thought. In the next verse in Malachi, I think it's coming up here. Okay, not only that, but God will protect what you have. Now here's the thing. Well, 
I'll get a full bank account, and I'll be driving the fancy car, and I'll have my house paid off, and my credit cards paid off, and I'll have the big 401k, and all the stocks, and I'll find money on the side of the road, and all those kind of things, because God promised if I would give to him, he'd fill me all the way up. Understand something, there's definitions between God's storehouse being full. Okay, it doesn't necessarily mean your bank account's going to be full. Okay, notice what he says here. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruits of the ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord. You know what this reminds me of? Remember the children of Israel left Egypt, and there was disobedience, and God judged and gave the Ten Commandments, and then the children of Israel spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Remember the story? You want to know something interesting about that story? God said the entire time that they wandered in the wilderness, their shoes did not wear out. Now, I have never had a pair of shoes last 40 years. I'm lucky if I can get a pair of shoes to last one year. So understand, when God says, listen, I'll give you blessings that you can't possibly understand, that you may not even be able to receive, that blessing might just be you know that car repair that somebody else had to pay $1,200 to put a new transmission in? Maybe God keeps your transmission from blowing. You know that uh, big tax bill that uh, might be coming down the pike? Maybe something gets passed in some sort of governmental system somewhere where all of a sudden you don't have to pay those taxes. Maybe that health problem that might have been coming your way, God takes care of that and you don't have to pay that anymore. He says, I'll rebuke the devourer. Remember, we still have that guy around. Bible says the Satan walks about seeking who may he may devour. God says, listen, uh, if you give with the right heart, I can make your shoes last 40 years. So that's why I say, be careful of this prosperity gospel where they say, your bank accounts will be full and you'll have no financial need anywhere. Um, that's not necessarily always the way God blesses, is it? God can bless in a lot of ways. Don't, um, don't put boundaries on God. Just if you're a giver, God will give right back. He always does. Because you can't get outgive. He says, listen, try me. I dare you. If I don't open the windows of heaven... And give you blessings that you can't possibly understand. Maybe that blessing is that you live in joy and peace with your children. Because that doesn't always happen, does it? Maybe God decides to lengthen your life on this earth. Because he, he promises that many times. For length of days. Maybe God blesses the work of your hands. You know, the illustration here is if you planted stuff out in your garden, God makes sure that it grows in abundance. You ever have a frost come through and kill your plants? Man, I can't stand that. Got all my tomatoes in and it's May 12th. And we have a hard freeze on May you know, 15th. And all my tomato plants are dead. And God says, you know what? I can make your efforts that you put toward have extra abundance. It's not always, guys, you know, wow, how did I get an extra $20,000 in my bank account? Don't put God in a box. God can bless in amazing ways. Okay, the key, the key is 
purpose in your heart and cheerfully give God what he's asking for. Well, God, I can't give 10%. Okay, he never said you had to. He just said, listen, you want a ballpark? Oh, that's a good area that you might shoot for? 10%'s great. But as God has prospered you, I don't have to do that anymore. I don't live in the Old Testament. But the principle's the same because we just read from Jesus and Luke. He said, if you give sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you give abundantly, you're going to reap abundantly because God loves a cheerful giver. Keep going. And God will use your blessing to be a testimony for him. Now this is the best part of this whole story. Because I know what I've just been talking about and I know what you've just been thinking. The entire time we talk about giving, we're talking about us, right? Well, I can't afford that and I have this and I need that and now you get to... Please remember, the biggest part of this is it represents God. Now, I just got the best smiles out of you guys when I told you about that poor little ashtray that they brought to you. And every one of you smiled and said, oh, isn't the love of a child toward his mom something extra special? And everybody got a great smile and, and thought, I remember when I gave something like that to my mom. Just that alone gave the testimony and we understood and reconnected again with the precious ability to give out of love to someone who's important to us. And God says, listen, all nations shall call you blessed for you shall be delightsome in the land, saith the Lord of hosts. When we give to God out of love and he abundantly blesses us back, it glorifies God. People look and say, wow, they love their God and God takes care of them. That's the whole point. It's a testimony. If we're stingy, how much do we really love? Come on, how many of you, Christmas is coming around the corner. We're about to put on a big Thanksgiving dinner, right? How many of you plan on picking out on Thursday? I'm already, I'm not eating from then until now. No, I'm lying. I have to. But because we want to enjoy the family time together, buying a big turkey and all this food, why we provide the things for the people we love. How many at Christmas time spend way too much money on Christmas presents? Okay, don't lie, you do. Okay, we might be able to go around and, and find something precious to somebody that's inexpensive, but why do we do that? Why are we willing to go? That's more than I wanted to spend, but I love them. I want to give them a gift because they're special to me. And we'll take the hit. And we'll spend till uh, till June or July to pay off the credit card bill. Why? Because if if we love the person, sometimes we take the extra effort and people know it. And see, that's the testimony for the Lord. When you and I... uh, Man, Kim and I went to the bank the other day looking at some of our, you know, portfolio. I say that as a joke. Uh, Yeah, what portfolio? It's like one page and half of it's blank, right? But we wanted to just check in with the bank. And you know what happens at the bank? They'll say, oh, you make this, this happened, this happens, you know, little financial advisor. And they say, and you give what to church? 
You know, if you took that money you gave to church and put it into an investment account, you could retire real comfortably. Blah, blah, blah. No, you say, you know what? My God is important to me and his ministry is important to me. And it's a testimony. And then people can say, I don't know how in the world you guys have been living on this much money. There was one, we were just doing some research, and it was one year my taxable income between the two of us for a whole year was $17,000. The whole year. And I go, I don't know how that's possible. It was like, there's got to be a mathematical error here. But you know, sometimes can God can take the littlest amount of money that you have and still help you to survive and get through it just fine. And the people in the bank go, oh, that doesn't make any sense. And so, you know, it doesn't have to make sense. When you give to the Lord with a loving heart, God provides for you what you need. And it's an amazing testimony. So I'm going to end today with this thought, these thoughts. Are you a giver? Are you giving because you want to honor God because you love him? I didn't tell you what, did I? Not one time did I tell you guys what you should give. I said God had a standard he's kind of set to start with, but in the New Testament, there is no hard line number. The question is, are you giving? That's the first question. I can't, I can't answer for it, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's not my job anymore. Hallelujah. Or, are you struggling? Maybe you're struggling financially because God says, you know, if you give, I would bless you extra. Maybe you need to consider giving. Pastor, get out of my wallet. Relax. I'm just saying as God has prospered you. Take it. I hope you're not feeling the pressure. Whatever God lays on your heart. Okay? But you know what? There are people who are also struggling emotionally. Because they've forgotten how important it is to display their love to their Heavenly Father. Having an intimate, personal relationship with God is the cure for every emotional issue. All these people in the world who are drugging it up, I understand, please, there are some people who have chemical imbalances who could use that. But there are a lot of people in this world who are struggling because they don't have the peace of heart and the comfort of knowing why they're here and having a great relationship with a God who loves them. If you step into that position, a lot of the issues in our minds that we struggle with just disappear. I know if I offer my little offering to God, he's going to turn around as my heavenly father and take care of me. Because he promised he would. And I believe God's promises. Last bit. When you have a giving heart, God will bless you and protect you. And you'll have a great witness when a financial person can say, I don't have any clue how you survive. When you and your wife look at each other and say, that can't be right. There's no way. Our rent alone would have been more than that. And you go, God, you got us through somehow. It is an amazing testimony when you show your love to God and put your trust in him and he takes care of you. And the whole world around you can say, there's something special going on in that person's life. They love their God, they give to him, and they are blessed people. So, God puts out a challenge. So I put out the same challenge. What was the challenge? Go ahead. I dare you. See 
if you give to me and I don't extra bless you. I dare you. I haven't told you how much. You decide that with the Lord. But God says, if you give, I'm going to bless. I dare you. I challenge you. See if I don't open the windows of heaven and bless you. Because when we offer offerings of love to our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father takes care of us. Yes? Okay, so there's the message about tithing. It was an Old Testament standard, that 10% still out there, but God wants us to give as God has prospered us out of love, and he'll take care of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word that you preached, that you wrote. Lord, I, I am so thankful that we are not Old Testament Israel anymore, where we have to give a certain amount of money, or Lord, we're in trouble. I thank you that the concept and the principle is still the same, though, Lord. Give, if we do give grudgingly, Lord, if we give bountifully, you're going to bless us. Jesus himself said it. If you give sparingly, you're only going to give back sparingly. But if you give bountifully, what does that mean? It's each individual person. And so, Father, I thank you for the privilege to offer something that you don't necessarily need, but we give it to you because we love you. And Father, thank you for the privilege of knowing that we have a Heavenly Father who will always, every time, give us what we need. Not necessarily what we want, but you will always take care of us. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So with that in mind, enjoy Thanksgiving. Because we get to go with 